Welcome everybody to Seeking God's Truth, a podcast seeking the answers to the one and only God. I am your host, Carlos Hernandez. I'd like to welcome everybody back to Seeking God's Truth. Today we'll be discussing the first part of my series, The Ten Commandments. This episode will include the first four commandments. Episode 3 will have commandments 5, 6, and 7. In episode 4 we'll have 8, 9, and 10. The reason why I'm visiting the Ten Commandments is the fact that is the fact that our current society is being fueled by immoral acts. This is fueled in large by social media and the media. What we used to view as immoral is now being viewed as the social norm. One place that we can see it is when we watch television. The FCC originally banned seven words from television. Even with these words and among other words, there's still plenty of words that are still allowed to be said on television. And our children are still allowed to be exposed to these during daytime and nighttime television. And though only in circles of Christian belief, God has been used quite loosely on television among actors and reality TV. Showing an example that is okay to use God in any context. It is not even television and social media that is hurting people's relationship with God. It is also with people's relationship with God in general. Since the pandemic, we hold tightly to other idols more tightly than we hold the church. In 2001, there was a survey conducted about who attends church. About 22% go to church every Sunday. Only 9% church said they almost go every week. 11% said they go once a month. 25% go solemnly. And 33% said they either don't go or refuse to answer. It is pretty shocking to see that almost a third of the population don't go to church or any kind of religious organization. But then when you actually look at what people do other than go to church is what's more shocking. Because this was the pandemic, I decided to see what people were doing more often than go to church. So, in 2020, people were still visiting concerts. And concert venues made $11.49 billion. And because of the pandemic, you thought this number would go down. But in 2021, venues made $11.99 billion. I tried to look up movies, but the only statistics I can find was in, are for 2019, which people were visiting movies at a much lower rate. 14% going to movies at least once or more once a month, 40% going once a month, and 46% going once a year. But this is, could be also due to the growing streaming platforms, and also the pandemic was also starting up i'm not saying concerts are bad i like going to concerts but i'm just saying that these are some sad statistics that someone would rather risk getting covid rather than than seek jesus or god and come to a religious organization let's look at it logically a concert lasts maybe about five hours so that is five hours of exposure with an individual that is standing right next to you in front of you and in back of you first an hour and a half at most in a church to be around with people that we care about and love seeking the Lord maybe learning something about ourselves and to try to better ourselves to be a better person and Christian so on one website I found was that over a third of the world's population is Christians the rest either worship 
other idols or gods. So where does that leave us? In my previous episode, I spoke about what it is to be a Christian. In this episode, I will start laying out the groundworks about how to be an actual Christian and give the guidelines of to follow. In Exodus 20, God laid out the Ten Commandments and gave them to Moses and Moses to give to his people and for us to follow. In Matthew 22:37 through 39 is the best summary of the Ten Commandments. And it is one of my favorite Bible quotes. When Jesus silenced the Sadducees, which the Sadducees are traditionally ruling class of priests and they reject the law of the resurrection and existence of angels. When the Pharisees heard about this, which the Pharisees are, are Jewish officials of strict obedience of rites and ceremonies of written law. Basically, the Pharisees basically came and gathered around Jesus and one of them being an expert in law tried to test Jesus, asking him the greatest commandment in law. Matthew 22:37-39 says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus understood the essence of law. And instead of placing one commandment over another, his answer was based upon God's command. The two core principles that God wanted us to follow was to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Of Matthew 22:37 through 39, we'll be concentrating on verse 37. This verse incorporates the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said to love our Father, our Lord, with all our heart, mind, and soul. We would obey all God's commands. The first mention of the Ten Commandments was in Exodus 22 through 17. I will go through each of the commandments one at a time and talk about how God expects us to follow them and what it looks like. After diving into this subject, I learned some new stuff myself. So I hope everybody else will learn some too. The first commandment, Exodus 2 through 3. I am your Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. In these two verses, God both teaches and reminds not only the Israelites, but also us the essential fact of who he is and about his nature. You can see that God is above nature and that he is not merely the embodiment of fire, wind, sun, or any created thing. We can also see that God is personal by relating to and communicating to man in a relating way, such as a mind, voice, and will. This also lets us know that God is good. We know God is good because he did good things for Israel, and now does good for them by giving them these commands. Not only does it please God, it is also generally best for humanity. We also know that God is holy, which is different than so-called pagan gods. So God expects us to be different than other people who worship pagan gods. With all this said, we know who God is, so therefore there is nothing before him and should not worship anything besides God. In ancient times, there was a lot of temptations such as worship of other gods, materialism, and sex. Though I think the temptations of modern day is a thousand times worse. We have quite a few new religions rising to popularity, the normalization of sex and homosexuality, along with the rise of gender confusion, 
drugs and alcohol, and the idea that people have the choice to go to other places rather than church itself. What does God mean when he implies no other God before me? It's not an implication to have other gods second to God, or to have another God that has the same views as God's. It's an implication that says there is no God besides God himself. Now comes the part nobody likes. Failure to obey this command is called idolatry, which is the worship of a physical object as a god, or in moderate attachment or devotion to something. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Paul was referring specifically to the idolatry about the pagan temples. He was telling the Christian Corinthians not to participate in the dinner services at the pagan temples. In Hosea, God gives us a reminder of who he is. In Hosea 13.4, it says, But I have been the Lord your God since you came out of Egypt. This is again a reminder who God is. Over time, things in life might change, but his word does not. He is still the only God and the only Savior. And without him, the people will be left without desolate. Now that we know who God is, that leads us into the second commandment. The second commandment is in Exodus 24 through 6 and says, You shall not make yourself an image of anything in heaven above or on earth or water. You shall not bow down to them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. There's a lot to unpack with this commandment. Like I said before that God wants us to flee from idolatries regarding false gods. This commandment also forbids the making of any idol in the purpose of worship. Deuteronomy 4.12 says, Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. This is an emphasis of why there was no image of God and why one should not be created. For we can hear his voice, though we cannot see no image. This is so we can worship our creator and not our creatures, such as birds, the sun, the moon, or stars. This allowed us to know that God is real, but no image should be created in his name. The downside to this is that both in ancient times and current, people tried to worship things closely tied to image. God did not want to allow such a depiction of himself or image to replace him. There are some that believe that even making paintings of Jesus or doves representing the Holy Spirit as making idols to worship. But God himself did not forbid the use of religion for the purpose of artistic vision. For God himself asked Moses and the people to build two cherubim for a tabernacle. It is mentioned both in Exodus 25.18 and Exodus 26.31. A cherubim is a kind of angel created by God. They are powerful and are among those who are chosen by God not to fall in Satan's influence. Mentioned in 1 Timothy 5.21. So God does allow some image of religion to be created as long as it's not for idols to be worshipped. 
Now we're going to take a shift to the phrase, God is a jealous God. God is jealous in the sense that he will not accept being merely added to the life. He insists on being supreme and does this with love. This is an action from God, and he refuses to share with any rivals. God is not jealous of us, he's jealous for us. God also tells us exactly how he is going to punish us if we disobey this command. But this command is not directly affects our children or our ancestries. God only punish the children of the parents who sin. Only if the children repeat the sins of the parents. It is who hates him that he punishes. If the descendants love him, they will be protected just as the descendants of the people who love God himself. For as long as you love him, and as long as you turn to him, it is possible for everyone to receive his mercy. Which now leads us in the commandment number three, in Exodus 27. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Which I found interesting was that there was actually three ways you can misuse the Lord's name in vain. Which is profanity, frivolity, and hypocrisy. Profanity is the one we all know the best, in which I only knew at the time. Which is using the name of God in an insulting or cursing way. God says in Leviticus 19.12, do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. In the first part of this verse, it deals with the third commandment. God does not want you to take his name in vain, and swear upon his name in falsehood. Frivolity is a new one to me. According to scripture, frivolity is using the name of God in a superficial, stupid way. In Proverbs 19.10, it says, Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. This is saying that there are some wisdom-rejecting people seeking luxuries. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, because they don't know how to live in luxury. Meaning that some might want to live in luxury, or even ask for it in the name of God, but they do not want to live within their means. Psalm spoke according to the wisdom of the nature of man, which placed great trust in nobility and family lineage where those who would be great should be servants and not as princes jesus said in matthew twenty twenty six through 28 not so with you instead whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus wasn't trying to endorse slavery, but that the church should not look to the world for substance and style, but plainly not to operate in the way of the world. Money and popularity should not be a prerequisite for leadership, but being humble is the greatest prerequisite for leadership. There are many people in ministry for what people can do for them, but they should be in ministry for what they can do for the people. Jesus knew he was about to die, and on his last day on earth, he decided to serve people. Jesus believed the real ministry is done for the benefit of the ministered, not for the minister. Now we're going to move into hypocrisy. This is one that's probably going to hurt some butts, because hypocrisy is claiming 
the name of God, but acting in a way that is disgraceful to him. Leviticus 19.12 is pretty self-explanatory. It says, including swearing oaths to deceive others. This is like using the Lord's name and swearing to God that you know is not going to happen. The scribes and the Pharisees had twisted the law of the third commandment to permit taking virtually every other name in falsehood. Jesus said in Matthew 5.33-37, Again, you have heard that it is said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head. For you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anybody beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus was reminding us that even God is part of our oath if we swear by the heavens, earth, Jerusalem, or even our heads. Jesus was trying to get us to not swear an oath at all and having us to say yes or no. And those would be our responses and us to live by those responses. A betrayal of an oath weakens your word. It demonstrates that there is not enough weight into your character to confirm your words. It is better just to have yes mean yes, no mean no. Now it's time for our fourth and final commandment for the day. I left this one short just because uh, all churches have modified their own worship day. It's found in Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Depending on a denomination, it depends on which day you worship. Some denominations worship on Sundays, some I found out um, worship on Saturdays. It all depends on which denomination you're in. The reason why I kept it short and didn't include the rest of the um, commandment was because the Old Testament wanted us to have no labor on the day of the Sabbath. If you're like anybody else I know in today's society, the weekends is when people get stuff done, including Sunday. We have grown into a society where we use both days to get work done, but we leave it holy because we choose a day for worship. Leviticus 26 verse 2, God said, Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So what God meant about keeping the Sabbath holy was that he wanted to keep daily life separate from our life to worship God. Even though my life personally is kind of intertwined with church and life, God does understand that you need separation from church. But he does understand that you also need to have, but there has to be a time where you have to devote yourself to church. Like I said in episode 1, it's okay to miss church once in a while, but it's not okay to make it a habit. So these are the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. So if we do what Jesus asked us to do in Matthew 22, verse 37, and love our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, we would not place any God before him, and he would be our one and only God. We would not create or worship any idols and bow down to them. We also wouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. And we would always remember the Sabbath by keeping his day holy. So this wraps up the first four commandments. Remember, they're, they're not only an oath to God, they're also a promise from God. Next week's episode will consist of the 
next three commandments, which is five through seven, which are going to be pretty heavy, especially because how our society is modeling behaviors and how we are exposed to violence, murders on the rise, and the normalization of sexuality. And I even believe in a small degree that children obeying their parents could greatly lower the amount of disobedience to some degree. We'll save that all for next week. But for now, I want to say thank you for listening. You can contact me at sgodstruth at outlook.com on Twitter at sgodstruth or you can search for me on Facebook at Seeking God's Truth. So drop a message and let me know how it was. Be afraid to tell me what I can approve on and what can I um, do more for the show and an idea for an episode. Thank you and God bless.